0: Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Y'all get ready because I've got my Superman watch on. Chris gave it to me. Sometimes I don't always feel like a Superman, but I know God's added his super to my natural and he has you too. Why don't you just lift up your hands right now? God, thank you for your super that's coming into every natural situation right now. I prophesy, I speak those things that are not as though they were, that miracles are going to happen for people starting right now, starting today. And God, this week, let them not forget that you told them it was going to happen when it happens. Everybody that receives that, come on, say amen. 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 Hey, let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're going to lead us and guide us today. And What a privilege it is to come to your house, to be called your sons and your daughters. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, that for every person, God, no matter where they are, that they would know that you are here, that you love them, that God, your word says, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. Be strong in the Lord, not in ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And God, today we boldly just come into your presence. I pray that your presence would not just inhabit this place, but I pray that your presence would invade every temple, every person that's here. God, thank you for the privilege of life. Thank you for the gift of life. And I come against every spirit that has tried to say to people that life is not worth living. And I thank you, God, that today we overcome by the blood of the lamb and we overcome by the word of our testimony. And I speak hope, Lord, for those who need hope today. And I thank you that you are our anchor of hope. And God, as your word goes forth, it says that it will not return void. That means that it it will not return without it working. So God, your word is working now in our life. It's effective, it's effectual, and God, it's transformational. So I announce in the name of Jesus on this ninth month of the year that finality and fruitfulness and fullness of time will come into every life into every marriage, into every business. What needs to be final in the name of Jesus? Mark it down, somebody tell me what the date is. Say it out loud. On the 22nd, what needs to be final is final in Jesus' name. God, I speak fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Where there's been barrenness and where there's been, where there's just, where nothing has been happening. I pray according to your word in, in Isaiah 43 that you'll bring rivers into desert starting now. I thank you that the, that the dam of heaven is opening up, God. And God, you never intended for there ever to be a dam, but sometimes in our lives, sometimes because of what we're focused on, that what's 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 supposed to come to to us, according to Deuteronomy 28, the treasure that has our name on it sometime is stopped because of our focus. So right now, we focus on you. Right now, I speak release in the name of Jesus. God, over whatever is in heaven that has every individual's name on it. And then finally, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just declare in this year of the supernatural, 2019, that this is the fullness of time that good things are gonna be birthed and born in Jesus' name. Come on, if you receive that, come on, if you receive that, say amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you hug on somebody or give them a high five, whatever you're comfortable with. If you love somebody that's next to you, go ahead and kiss them. Go ahead, it's all right. So great to have Pastor Precious back. Glad you're in the house, baby. I love you. Can't say enough about our Uncle George. I call him Uncle Super. It just doesn't even do any, any justice just to read his Wikipedia. I mean, the Wikipedia version is Juris Doctorate, Doctor of Divinity. Wikipedia version is leader of this unbelievable life-giving denomination, the Sons of God in the United States. Wikipedia version is he stayed married even when he didn't want to. Thank you, Uncle George. How many of y'all have been married and you didn't want to stay married? Let me just see your hands. Some of y'all say, I sure didn't. They're gone. Uh, but, but he stayed. And guess what? He has children that are serving the Lord. He has grandchildren that are serving the Lord. And giving a Wikipedia version of him is not enough. But I can't wait to spend time in Israel with him. He, he gives the brilliant side, and then I just come and say, hey, here's how you can apply this to your life right now. So it's going to be amazing, amazing, amazing. And then Josh is going to be there, and you know he's going to <laughs> he have to say something. It's so funny. We went to China, Uncle Super, a few years ago, and so we had a guide that was guiding us in China, but Josh was our real guide. Yeah, over here, here's what happened in uh, 1107, and we're just driving down the road, and we're going, what in the world? Like, Josh just... <laughs> I can't wait, I can't, see Linda, it's going to be fun to be with Josh and he just tells us all about Israel. He's never been there and he'll go, yeah, here's what happened over here. See that dirt over there? That's what happened. Used to be the Walls of Jericho right there, but gone. Anyway, so it's going to be, I can't wait, son, for you and George together, it'll be like my mind, I'll be going like, ah. anyway, when you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you really appreciate butcher knives and you guys are that. Okay. Everybody say unstoppable. Everybody say, unstoppable. Everybody say, I am unstoppable. Look at somebody and say, you're unstoppable. And now say what matters most because we have an unstoppable God. Come on, we have an unstoppable God who is for us. Matthew 16, one of my favorite scriptures, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, which we will be there in that region, when he spoke these words, he asked his disciples and he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he's declaring who he is, but he's saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so his disciples said, well, some say that you're Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets. And then he looked at them and he asked the same question of them that he's asking you today. And by the way, it's a question you got to answer every day. Navy SEALs have a saying that the only easy day was yesterday. So however hard yesterday was... (laughs) That's easy. That prepared you for what's coming. Come on, put an amen on that. But he's declaring, I, I, who, who are people saying that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say that you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he looks at them and he asks this most important question that we have to answer really every day. Not just once, but every day. Who, who do you say that I am? And you can imagine the consternation. I mean, just this conversation, like, why are we having this conversation? Why is he asking us who people say he is? And why is he asking us who we say he is? How many of you know, when you ask somebody a question, there's always a TBQ. And you know what the TBQ is? It's the thought behind the question. Now, we don't want to get, like, too philosophical here. But the bottom line is, know this. Everybody that ever asks you a question, there's more to it than just the question. So when you really know somebody and you have intimacy with them, then you can answer a question properly. Like when a woman says, "Hey, do you, do you do you like this dress?" That is not the question. You understand this, right? Like that is like this. Like, do I look good in this? Does this make my look anyway? Is that? Do I, is that, Do I? That's not really the question. The question is, do you see me as beautiful? So again, there's always TBQ. So there's a TBQ with Jesus. There's a thought behind this question. And so they, everybody's not saying anything because nobody wants to answer Jesus wrong. And Peter says, you are the Christ. You, you are the son of the living God. And I could just see a smile come over Jesus' face. And he says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock of revelation, you, you realizing that I'm not just another Jesus, but on this rock of revelation that I am the Christ, the anointed one sent from God. You notice he didn't say, well, you're Jesus. Like if you've forgotten who you are, you're Jesus. No, he says, you are the Christ. Everybody say, the Christ. Yes. You're the anointed one sent from God. He said, flesh and blood doesn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, and upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and this is the kicker, family, and the gates of hell cannot stop it. Let me just tell you who the church is. It's not this building, this is the house of God that we built for him, for us to gather in. You are the church. And he says, I will build my church and there's nothing the devil or hell can do about it. So here's my question to you. If hell can't stop you and the devil can't stop you, what's been trying to stop you? Because I'm gonna tell you something, something has been trying to stop you your whole life, you just don't realize that. Whether it's the self-talk 500 words a minute that you speak to yourself, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I'm insecure. I don't have what it takes. You're talking. Even when you hear good preaching, good teaching, you're over talking that. Yeah, but blah, 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 blah. then we're always having this self-talk. We don't even realize it. We over speak even good things in our mind. This is what's, I don't have time to go into this, but here's the bottom line. Jesus is trying to initiate a thought process. Who do men say that I am? Okay, that's one question. Now let's go a little bit deeper. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the smile that comes on Jesus' face, blessed are you, highly favored, highly fortunate are you. The world would call lucky. Lucky are you to get this revelation because here's the thing, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And guess what? You are my church and nothing's gonna be able to stop you. My daughter, Keila's on the front row here, and we've always had a special relationship. She is, and I have with Josh, listen, don't, don't, I don't want you feel insecure right now. I, I, I love you, too, and Whitney's watching. You know, she had to take a little time off. She's pregnant. Her back was hurting. So, hey, I'm glad you took your time off. And um, I'm not being empathetic right now. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. I hope your back gets better. Here, I'm getting better. Okay, so I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, but I love all my children. But Keela was named nine years before she was born. And I won't go into all that story except to say this, I was in my 1978 Thunderbird with a half white Landau top, it was forest green. I had my Boston eight track in the CD. We were having a devotion. Oh, thank you, glad you appreciate Boston because that was the only good album. But anyway, I had the, I had, I had the eight track, you know, ready to go as my one eight track. And, uh, and so Sheila and I are at Evangel College were having a devotional, it's, it's about 1980 or so. And uh, you know, I said, hey, someday when we get married, I wanna have at least three children. I think in the middle, we're gonna have a daughter. And, uh, and I said, I would like her name to be half my name and half your name, Keith, Sheila, Keela What do you think about that? She goes, I think that's great. So we prophesied her name nine years before she was born. So when she was born, thou should be called Keila, half your mother and half me. And unfortunately she got most of me and not enough of her mother, but, <laughs> but no, I'm just teasing. But, but little Keela, here's the story. I used to travel 40 plus weeks a year. Some of you guys know that. And by the way, I'm sharing a life message with you today. Is that all right? Some of you will have heard this before if you've been around here. But after my heart attack, I thought, you know what, if I had one, one last time I was gonna speak, this is what I'd wanna speak. And so I've waited for two weeks to speak this and talk to y'all the last two weeks and, and set myself down and just poured out my heart to you but this would be the message that I would teach you okay so so anyway I travel 40 plus weeks a year and sometimes my family went with me and sometimes they didn't but I would usually leave on Saturday and come back early Thursday morning as early as I could get home be on a day and a half and head out on the road again and it was a it was a rough life and again sometimes they would be with me and sometimes they they weren't And the older they got I wanted them to have a sense of normalcy so I would said hey y'all stay home Meanwhile, I came in the front door, I was trying to be as quiet as I could and I just got the door closed and all of a sudden I hear these little feet running and on the tile around the corner there's Keila. And when our eyes met, she went, oh, oh, oh. and she ran up to me. And I was getting ready to hug her and she drops to her knees. She goes, welcome home, my prince. She put her hand on her heart. And she goes, I'm so glad you're home. Then she bent down and kissed my right foot, kissed my left foot, looked up in my eyes again and said, I'm so glad you're home, daddy. I had two thoughts. The first thought I had was, where did you learn this? And the second thought I had was, your mother needs to learn this. Like, this is, this is awesome. This is great. So I said, "Kela, come here. She's four years old. I said, Keela, come here. I said, "Go." get your mom, wake her up and do exactly the same thing. She goes, okay. So she runs out of the room with a few, few minutes. You know, I hear her feet run around and she comes running around the corner. She goes, she looks at her mom, are you watching? <gasps> Welcome home, my friends. <sighs> I'm so glad you're home. She kisses my feet. Oh, so glad you're home, Daddy. So I looked at Precious and I said, where did she learn this? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, I think it's a proper greeting. I mean, I, I just want you to know like, like, when I come home and like, I am like spent, this just gave oxygen to my soul. It was an amazing thing. Little Pastor Sheila walks over to me, gives me a kiss on the cheek, says, what would you like? Would you like some breakfast? Anyway, it never really said, like it never really happened except one time. One time. It has happened once in the many decades. I think it happened once after my heart attack. When I got up off the bed, she went, oh, God, thank you. Anyway, so that's not true. But, but Keilah, from then on, that's the way she greeted me. So one time when she was about 11, I can't remember the exact age, but about 11, she does the same thing. I was just always so overwhelmed by that and so moved by that. And I grabbed her and I go, I go, Kila, why do you do that? Like, why? it's just so, and so all of a sudden she stands up and she does something like, like I don't know, the only, in my opinion, only women can do, but she stuck her hip out, put her hand on her hip, kind of like this. It's the same way women hold babies. I don't, and I don't like, I don't get it. Like, when I, like, I've lifted weights my whole life, but when I pick up a child, I'm like, man, this is killing my back. Like, I, <laughs> oh, my, all my grandchildren go, hold me, Papa. I go, just for a second. am like, like, on gonna hold you up, oh my goodness. Like, you're really growing. You're like heavy. Well, anyway, so, so Sheila, you know, she used to like cook with holding the, a child like this, vacuum. I'm like, what in the, what is that? Like, I, I can't even hurt to my back to even do that. But anyway, <laughs> So she, she has her hand on her hip like this. and She goes, what do you mean, why do I do that? She's 11. I go, yeah, baby, I said, it means so much to me. Why do you do it? She goes, cause you're my daddy. <laughs> and she just walks off. I went, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Some of you here are guests with us. You may have been wondering what the seats were for when you walked in here. Because I mean, the minute the music starts, everybody stands up and then you're thinking like, how long does the karaoke last? Like how long do we (laughs) sing these songs that I've never heard of in my life? I mean, for real, you come to church, like you're not, you know why we do it? It's not just a form, this is God's house. When we come into his house, we stand in his presence. We honor him, we lift up our hands. We clap to him, we sing to him, we worship him not because he's the president, not because he's a teacher. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. It's why we do what we do. We're not just doing it to do it. We do it to honor. We do it to to give him praise and glory. So if you're gonna be unstoppable, you have to know who God is. You have to know who Jesus is to you. It's not your mama's Jesus. He's not religious Jesus. He's not co-equal with Muhammad or other religious leaders. Peter got it right. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the one that makes the impossible possible. He's the one that makes the natural supernatural. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. And I could go on and on and on, but let me just suffice it to say this. The prophet Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus was born, 800 years before he was born, here's what he said. I want you to hear this. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on. He was passed over. He was a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains that he carried our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. You see, we've all got things that are wrong with us. We've all had things that have been broken. We've all been disfigured, even if you can't see it on the outside, on the inside. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short, we've all felt that we're not enough. And if you don't have pain, I've got some good news and some bad news, you're gonna have it. That's the bad news, but the good news is, <sighs> Uncle Super I read years ago, you probably knew him, Paul Billheimer's book, Destined for the Throne. And he also had another book and it was called uh, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And it profoundly impacted my life because we're gonna have things that are so painful that they cause great sorrow in our life. And yet Jesus took all of that. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment And that made us whole. Somebody put an amen on that. He he took it. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. You ever felt that way? Like, man, I'm just lost right now. We've all done our own thing. We've gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong. Listen to that. He's piled all of our sins, everything we've ever done wrong on him. He was beaten. He was tortured, but he didn't say a word. This is 800 years before Jesus came. This is a prophet saying who Jesus is. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought of his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of the people. They buried him with the wicked. They threw him in a grave of a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he gave himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, the Bible says, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Put an amen on that. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. Have you ever felt like that you were the black sheep of the family, or you were the one that that just didn't quite measure up? You know, uh, I I know that there's a lot of uh, people that are here what I had to struggle with was I wasn't the first and I wasn't the last and what I had to struggle with is I wasn't that special, like I wasn't that big a deal, I like, like I really felt like that, like I still feel to this day, my parents liked my brother better than me and I know they like my sister better than me so it's like she was smart, he was handsome it's like where do I fit, I, I, I gotta get me a watch I, I gotta get me a Superman something but here's the truth I don't know why we feel the way we feel about ourselves, but I can remember being at the altar when I was nine years old. And when I was at the altar at 19 years old, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday, Bethel Temple in Dallas, Texas. And my mother's on one side and my mamaw's on the other side. And I'm saying, God, you know what? If you can use me, would you just use me? And I felt God say, I'm gonna use you. He baptized me in his Holy Spirit. He like, I felt this power. And then I heard these words, I start, everybody started singing this. My God is able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my God is able to carry me through. And you say, Keith, why are you going back to when you were nine? Let me tell you why. Cause when I was sitting on that hospital bed or laying in it, IVs everywhere monitors going off, nurses rushing in, you're not getting enough oxygen, your heart's not working right, right this second. Here's what I kept hearing. My God is able. He's able. It came back to me. I know He is able. I know my God is able to carry me through. And then this is the verse back to nine at the altar. For he has healed the brokenhearted and he set the captive free. He heals the sick, that's me. He raises the dead, I've been that too. And he caused the blind to see my God is able he's able i'm singing that over you i know he is able i know my god is able to carry me through come on you sing it it's real easy they'll put the words up there my god is come on say it. he's able he's able i know i know he's able, I know my God is able. So let me speak over you right now. Lift up your hands. I don't know what you're going through right now. You may not be able, but he's able. I said, he's able. I said, he's able. I said, he's able. Why don't you say, he's able. He can take care of this. He can fix what I need fixed. He's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. Now y'all sit there. After the first service, Josh goes, Dad, everybody's jumping up and down. There's a lot of movement. I said, son, you don't have to get up. Just raise your hand. People get up. You just raise your hand and push your bee up. He said, no, Dad, it was good. I'm so glad when God moves you, son. It's like you're sitting there. Ah, oh, Okay, got to get up. Must be, must, must be the Lord. Must be. So I'm laying on that hospital bed, y'all. Listen, and that song comes to me. Craig, it came to me." That's what happens. You get in God's presence. When you need it the most, He reminds you. So, I was 15 and just met Little Precious. We were in high school together. We were going to First Baptist Church in Slidell, Louisiana, because we weren't driving yet 30 miles to First Assembly in New Orleans yet. We ended up doing that, her and I did, when we were in high school. But first, we just went to this little Baptist church together. because It was close. All of our friends went there. And they were going on a choir tour. And so we were on this choir tour. And the person that was leading the choir tour said, hey, I think you got a good voice. Would you like to sing a solo? I said, no, not really. No, not really. Not really. But if you were going to sing a solo, what would you sing? And for the first time ever, the first song I ever sang came back to me 14 weeks ago when I was flat on my back. And here's what it is. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There were times when I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come. To only make me strong Lay on that bed Here's what I sang out loud Through it all Through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus I'm trusting you I've learned to trust in God Oh Through it all Put my hand on my heart Through it all I've learned to depend upon his word. So back to 15 now. And I thank God for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys and I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem I wouldn't know my God could solve them. I wouldn't know what my faith and my trust in him would do. Everybody sing now. Come on. Through it all. Come on, say that. You're going through it right now, some of you. Through, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. Come on, would you put your trust in him today? To trust in God. Everybody sing. I've learned to depend upon His Word. So I thank Him on the mountain. I thank Him in the valley. I thank Him in my health. I thank Him in my sickness. I thank Him in my strength. I thank Him in my weakness. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Come on, lift up your hands. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. In everything I give thanks, cause that's my faith. Not for everything, but in everything. Through it all, you've been there for me. Now I'm about to turn 16. You were there when I was 15. You were there when I was on my back and couldn't think anything you were there for me in the good times i testify you're there for me in the bad times you're the god that's more than enough and you love me lord you love us lord you love us lord would you receive his love right now in your life no matter where you are thank you lord all right, you can be seated for a second. That's what happened when I was in the hospital. You got to know who God is when you're on your back. You got to know who God is when you've just lost everything. You got to know who God is. And some of you love a whole lot dies. And you got to understand the purpose of grief. Grief is not some pain you feel. Grief is a reminder that you love somebody that much. So when you feel the grief of the loss, embrace it. I'm grieving right now because that's how much I love that person that I lost. That's why even your grief isn't a bad thing. Don't let the enemy use your grief against you. Fast forward in my 20s, you know, I thought life would get easier. Older I get, I realize it doesn't get easier. It just gets better with him. I said it doesn't get easier. It gets better with him. It does. It does. I was going through some stuff, man. I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where i would just been going through it. But you know what? You can be in it or you can go through it. Some of y'all are in it right now. Why don't we just go through it? Why don't today you just decide, hey, I'm going through it. I'm going through it. If you're going through hell, don't stop. If you're catching hell, don't hold on. Why don't you just go through it? I can remember I was going through a real tough time. And in fact, um, my, my best friend who, uh, his son in love, I see your his son in love right up there. Where's your wife, man? he's sick. Well, get well. Get up. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Anyway, she's going to be better when you get home. She's watching right now, probably. Anyway, that's, that's my best friend, son in love. And I don't see his son here today because he's with him, right? He's with him on whatever trip they're on. Yeah. So anyway, so we, we, we were all going through some tough stuff, man, in our 20s. I was his youth pastor. And uh, this, then in my 20s, this was the song. That when I'm laying on my back, this is the weirdest thing. I'm laying on my back in the hospital, and this is the song, the next song that came to my head. When you're up against a struggle, that shatters all your dreams. Your hopes have been truly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they fall powerless behind you when you praise Him. And then here's what I heard. Now Satan is a liar and he wants to make you think that you are paupers when he knows himself you children of the king so lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle must be won we know that Jesus Christ is risen so the world's already done Bind you, serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you. Can you go up? take your praise away don't let pain take your praise away don't let the devil take your praise away you can always praise you can always praise you can be seated you know when I I went through all that stuff and I'm not going to talk about it forever but it changed me forever and I'm just telling you I could go back to my childhood I could go back to my teenage years I could go back to my early 20s And I could remember these songs that literally in one of my darkest nights, it was. I don't know why Sheila didn't stay with me at the hospital. Like she said, I gotta go, man. So anyway, I was there all by myself, laying there about to die, not knowing if tomorrow's gonna be okay. No, I'm joking. I go baby you go ahead and go home here's the truth i was by myself in the middle of the night i'm happy to tell you that i was not sad i chose to praise and god said now just remember i was with you then i'm with you now hey i'm gonna be with you when you're 70 i'm gonna be with you when you're 80 I'm going to be with you in your 90s. Yep. See, you may not want to live a long time. I do. That's why I take care of myself. That's why when the enemy tried to kill me, he couldn't kill me. If you're going to be unstoppable, you have to know who Jesus is. But here's the second thing. You have to know who you are. I want to speak life into you today. You got to know who you are. I'm not Keith Craft. That's not really who I am. I'm... A son of god that's who you are a daughter of god a son of god at the end of the day that's why what your earthly daddy did or didn't do shouldn't matter that much be grateful if he was a good guy and be grateful if he wasn't a good guy you know why because he taught you how not to be so you can still be grateful oh my dad when you know blah blah blah, blah my, my dad listen we have an earthly our Heavenly Father that says, I'm the one that decided you, you to be born, not just your two parents. I decided to put you on the earth. You got to know who you are. So, long story short, 1984, through genome science, they discovered that 99% of our DNA was all the same. They did not know this before then. It's now used in court cases, DNA. They discovered DNA. They discovered that there's only a 1% difference between everybody that ever has been born and everybody that will be born. I wrote a book about it. In fact, today, this is not a, not just a promotion, but I want you to get my book. If you haven't got my book, we have some out there today. I'm going to sign them today. I want you to get, this is my life message, what I'm teaching you here today. And and it's about, it's about what I call your divine fingerprint, because what they discovered is nobody in history has not only never had the 1%, only that you have that differentiates you from everybody that ever has been born and everybody ever, that ever will be born, but you have a fingerprint that nobody else has had and nobody will ever have. Why would God put at the end of your fingertips a fingerprint that nobody's ever had and nobody ever will have? My wife, as you know, is an identical twin, one gene split, and yet their physical, everything is the same in their anatomy except their fingerprint. And they have a different fingerprint. Why is that? Because they're still unique even though they're only one gene that was split. And it's pretty amazing, but I talk about this in detail in the book and What I felt like God showed me is that there's only 1% that separates you from who you think are the greatest people in the world or the people who you think are the worst people in the world, that you have a unique 1%. And so that book, my my heart was to teach people to discover, develop, and deploy it. By the way, all you guys that are standing out here, thank you very much. Y'all did a great job. You may go. Everybody except him. So give them a big hand. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate you so much. They're just ready. What's next? So so i'm sitting in church one day i'm 14 years old and the pastor said look at your hand and i looked at my hand and he said you have a fingerprint nobody else has ever had and for the first time i heard god speak to me i would felt god before i'd been at the altar many many times was was really baptized in the holy spirit when i was nine years old I felt a call to ministry even though i didn't know what that was when i was nine but when I was 14, I started hearing the voice of God. When It's I not something like audible voice, but I mean, it was as audible as it could be. And when the pastor said, you have a fingerprint nobody else has, the Lord spoke to me for the first time to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. And so that's what I wrote the book about. That this 1% that you have, I believe, is the glory of God. And let me explain that. So the longest prayer that's recorded in the Bible that Jesus prayed is in John 17. The whole chapter is a prayer that he prayed in the last week of his life. Five times in that prayer he said, Lord, make them one even as we are one. He places a severe premium in the most positive sense, a severe premium on us being in unity with each other. The Bible says in Psalms 133 that when the brethren get into unity, God God not only anoints that, he anoints unity, but he commands a blessing in that place. That's why we need to fight for unity in our marriage, fight for unity in our life. Why? Because there's a commanding blessing when that happens and an anointing. The Bible goes on to say this, if any two of you, any two of you, agree touching anything on earth, my Father in heaven will do it. So, so, again, just in this prayer, I get to John 17, 22 one day, and it jumps out off the page. Logos is written. Rhema is the, 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 the written word becomes life to your spirit. It became rhema that day because in John 17, 22, he said, Father, you've given me your glory. Now I give it to them. I, I'd been raised in church my whole life, buddy, but had never heard that. Like I heard I was a sinner, I got saved. I heard that I needed to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and yield, as goodness, as faith, temperance, tempers, long, suffering, against such there's no law. And I thought, I need to develop that. And I'm still working on the fruit of the Spirit, right? Because only the Holy Spirit can help us love when we hate, help us have joy when we feel sorrow, help us have peace when we feel strife. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's our right as believers, as sons of God. We don't have to stay on the wrong side of life. So fruit of the Spirit is very important. I learned about the gifts of the Spirit, the, the, the gift of faith, the, the working of miracles, the gift of healing. I learned about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. I learned about tongues and the gift of tongues and prophecy. And I, I, I bought into all those things. It's like, yes, Lord. I, I began to pray for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in and through my life. Because they're gifts. And if they're gifts, hey, can I have that gift? I want, I want the gift of faith. And I believe God has given me the gift of faith. But on and on I could go. But I'd never been taught, and I don't blame anybody for this. It's just revelation to me that we've been given the glory of God. Jesus said it in his prayer. God, you've given me your glory. Now I give it to them. And it's like a light bulb went off. That's what the 1% is that each one of us has that nobody else has. I believe it's a deposit of God's glory that the world has never seen that's uniquely in you. And yet so many people don't understand this. They don't understand That's that's your X factor for success. I write about it in the book. Like all of your, anything that you'll succeed in in your life is based on the discovery, development, and deployment of your 1%. That's my passion. That's why I coach over 150 now uh, high-level CEOs and entrepreneurs. I've, I've given a part of my life to helping people discover their 1% and helping them to strive to, to walk in that. So, so with this revelation, it's like, it's like, man, it happened early in my life. It was amazing. But it was happening even before I got the revelation at 14 And that is, my dad was a Dallas cop. Many of you know this, and some of you who've been around our church, you've heard this story. But my dad was a policeman, and he would take me to school. Now, this didn't happen every day because he didn't take me to school every day, but every day he took me to school, this happened. I would jump in his squad car. I'd always be so excited to be with him. I'd slide right over next to him. I'd put my arm around him, and he would put his hands on the steering wheel, and we wouldn't have one moment of conversation. My dad didn't talk when he decided to him and my mom to have me as a baby, all his talking went out of his body, and it went into me. So that's the truth. Anyway, so he didn't talk. He still didn't. He, well, he doesn't talk now because he's dead, but he didn't talk when he was alive ever. He doesn't talk anymore now than he talked back then. So so, so, we would drive to school, and I would just talk to him. I'd love on him. I'd put my head on his shoulder. I'd put my hand on his leg. I'd rub his, rub his back, and, and he'd just drive along, and We'd get up in front of the school. It's about a seven-minute drive. We'd get up in front of the school, and he'd just be looking straight ahead and go, Have a good day, Keith. I'd look him right in his ear. <laughs> I'd go, I love you, Dad. And he wouldn't say anything. So at 11, this started. I would say, Dad, repeat this after me. Say, I. And he'd go, I. This happened every time. Love, love. Like he knew what was coming next. Just say it. And I would say, you, and he'd go, you. It was always so funny to me. i got go, i the biggest smile on my face. Then I would turn his face towards me. And like, he'd be looking around like, here we go again, like that kind of look. And I'd go, look at me, look at me. He would look at me. I'd go, I love you, Dad. And I'd kiss him right on the lips. He'd go, every time he'd go, okay, son. He'd bring a smile on his face. He'd go, okay, all right, okay. Have a good day. I'm going to go now goodbye. My mother would just give me the business about this. She'd say, Keith Allen. Anytime she used my middle name, I knew I was about to get it, Vicky. She'd go, Keith Allen, your father is a public servant. You cannot slide over next to him. You cannot be rubbing all over him. You can't have your hands on. You're like an octopus. Like it's, it's, it's just, That's what I'm going to call you. You're like an octopus. You're all over your father in public. You're holding his hand. You're kissing on him. You're And so one day she was telling me that, and I feel this every time, like I broke, like it was deep in me. I said, Mom, I think God showed me something. Like she goes, she knew I heard from God. I mean, even as a young kid, because he was at the altar with me when I was 9 and 10 and now 11. I said, I think God showed me something. I said, she goes, well, what is it? I said, you know how dad didn't have a dad? Like he didn't have a dad. And so I think what God spoke to me was like I was supposed to love him in a way that his dad didn't love him. I said, I said, so, Mom, who I am, like, here's who I am. Like, I love him, and I want to hug him. I don't need him to hug me back. Like, I want to kiss him. I don't need him to kiss me back. I, like, I want to tell him I love him. I will make him say I love you, Mom, every once in a while to me. I say, repeat this after me. And she, she was just, like, sitting there listening to me. And she goes, she goes, yes. I said, but... Listen, Mom, I want your permission. I want your permission to be me with Dad. I said, just let me love him. Let me love him like his dad never loved him. I said, I don't, know. I don't know how a dad's supposed to love. I said, but let me love my dad. What God's telling me is like his dad never loved him. And so she said, yes, okay, yes, that's what your father needs. That's what he needs. So for the rest of my life, I was unleashed, y'all. It was like every time I was with him, I was holding his hand. Every time I was with him, I had my arm around him. I grew up, my dad was 5'9", I was like a gorilla. And I've been loving on him. And so one of the last, in fact, the last trip he ever took, I took him to to a place in Florida we have. This is me and him on the beach. So this is a picture, the only difference in this picture is I'm not holding his hand. Normally I was holding his hand, but I always have to walk like this if I held his hand. So in this picture, we paused. I took him for a motorcycle ride. This is the last motorcycle ride he ever took. He loved to ride motorcycles. I said, get on, get on here. We're going to go for a motorcycle ride. And he just had the most wonderful time. It was the last trip he took before he died. And then, then the last time he came to our church, uh, we were back in the back back here. Now, some of you think this is weird, but this is who I am. My dad thought I was weird too. But, but somebody, it may have been Chuck that took the picture. Somebody caught the picture for the first time of me kissing my dad. Because here's what would happen. From 11 on, every time my dad saw me coming towards him, He was looking down like this. He'd have his hands behind his back. He'd be walking like this. It's like, I knew he was gearing up. It's like, here he comes. Here he comes. I know what's going to happen next. He was so uncomfortable with it. And then right at the last minute, he would go. And that's what happened. He goes like that. I grab him as a gorilla, like I always did, and just kissed him. Now, listen, here's what I'm telling you. That's why what my dad was or wasn't has no effect on me. Why? Because I knew who I was. See, God wants you to know who you are. Listen to me. So that whatever your past is, whoever they weren't or whoever they were, you've got a fingerprint. You've got an imprint to leave. And what I want to empower and say to you with power is that God is your father. He decided for you to be born. You don't have father issues. Today, it's over in the name of Jesus. Come on, y'all. Come on. You're a dad now. Be a dad. Be the dad that he wasn't. So if you're going to be unstoppable, listen. In the name of Jesus, lift up your hands. I declare today, know who Jesus is and know who you are. Be empowered to be who you are. And quit playing small because people around you are small. Quit holding back because people are holding back around you. Quit stop being you because somebody doesn't like it. Now put your hands down. Moms and dads, listen to me. When your kids get to be teenagers, they start acting like they don't like to be kissed by you. That's too bad. They came out of you. And boy, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to kiss you whenever I feel like it. And I'm going to hold your hand whenever I feel like it. And I'm going to hug you whenever I feel like it. Don't be be embarrassed in front of your friends. See it, boy, right there? Stand up, Josh. So listen to me. Before this service, I'm standing back there in the dark. I see his luminous figure coming towards me. Here's what happens. Boom, that's it. We ain't making out. That's love. Now listen, that's not even his way, he's my son. But he said, Dad, that's your way. It's my way now. It's my way now. Okay. Be who you are. Be free to be who you are. Some people think it's arrogant because I jump up on the stage. That's who I am. I ain't going to walk like an old man even when I'm old. I'm just telling you, I'll be jumping up here. I'll say, Chuck, Chuck, come up here and help me jump on this stage. If I miss it, push me up over the edge. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to jump on this stage as long as I jump on this stage. You know why? Because that's who I am. I don't walk soft. I don't carry a small stick. I wear a Superman watch. God's for me. His supernatural power is in me. In the name of Jesus, that's how I'm going to lead. So, be you. Here's the last thing. We're going a little bit long today, but I promise you we'll get back on track next week because we have a guest. If you're going to be unstoppable, everybody say this out of your mouth. I want to be unstoppable. Say it. you got to decide that. You have to know who Jesus is for you. You have to know who you are. That's why I wrote the book. Let me help you. If you struggle with this, let me help you. But then you have to know what you're put on the earth to do. You're not put on the earth to be an insurance person. You're not put on the earth to be a minister. You're not put on the earth for all the titles that you can name. You're put on the earth to manifest the glory of God through you to other people let your light so shine before men that they see your good works so even tell us what the good works is they see your good works and because of you they glorify God Amen. whatever you do the Bible says Colossians three seventeen. do it as unto the Lord Colossians three twenty three and 24 says whatever you do it do it as unto him knowing it's from him you'll receive your inheritance and not men so it takes what I do and it gives it eternal significance doesn't matter if you're a mechanic doesn't matter if you're whatever you do do it unto God Do your marriage unto God. Do your life unto God. Know what you were put on the earth to do. Some of you heard this story and I wanna close with this. I was just a little boy in 1961. My mother had, was getting ready to go to a choir banquet. She took her dress out of a laundry clothes bag. She put it on the bed and at the same time she, before she put her dress on, she put me in a playpen that was Bed height, downside in the playpen, plastic bags up here on the bed. She's not thinking one thing about it. She leaves, my mamaw, my grandmother comes over to take care of me and my mother said, don't worry about Keith, I'll put him down for a nap, check on him in 30, 40 minutes, an hour. And she goes, okay, so after about 40 or 45 minutes, my brother comes in the room, he's two and a half years old, he grabs my mamaw's dress and says, Mamma, Mamma Keith's all blue. And she didn't think anything about it, so she just kept cooking. He came in again. Mama, ma, Key saw blue. She goes into the room where my mother had left me now close to an hour ago. And she, when she looks in the playpen, she didn't even recognize me because I was enveloped in a plastic bag. She didn't know what it was. She just knew I was completely blue. I was bleeding out. Blood was coming from my nose, my mouth, and my ears. And she took the plastic bag off. There was no life in my body. And she picked me up. And of course, now I was bleeding out on her and, she called the emergency number in 1961 in Dallas, Texas. There wasn't an emergency center down here on the road. Uh, Methodist Hospital was about 30 minutes away. And so they dispatched an ambulance. My mamaw went out of the corner at 4416 West Clarendon. And as she stood there. She held me. And I was not breathing. And 10 minutes passed. And she prayed. And 20 minutes passed. And she prayed. And finally, at about the 30-minute mark, a fire truck came rushing down the street. E.R. Kaufman jumped out of the fire truck. And he said... We're so sorry the ambulance had a flat tire. We picked up the call. How long has he been like this? And she said, I don't know. It's been at least 30 minutes just me being out here. He hasn't breathed that whole time? No, he hasn't breathed, ma'am. But we'll do everything we can, but we think he's dead. So they tried oxygen. They tried mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. They tried everything that they could, and they pronounced me dead on the scene. They just put a sheet over me. It was at that point that my mama prayed a prayer like this. She said, God, you are the giver of life. You're the resurrection and the life. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can raise that boy from the dead. In the name of Jesus. And as she was praying, the sheet blew off of me. My eyes popped open. Truly, E.R. Kaufman jumped back. My mama started doing this kind of little dance like this. And she started worshiping God, and God brought me back to life. Now, let me just tell you something. That's unstoppable. But while that's a great story... The best story is this story. Front page of the Dallas Morning News, Thanksgiving Day, 1961. That's me. That's my dad, Jimmy the Cop. That's my beautiful mother. That's my brother, we'll come back to him in a minute. And that's my mama on the back, my hero. The caption reads this, a Thanksgiving blessing. Young Keith Allen Craft will be a real life Thanksgiving blessing this year to his parents, Mr. and Miss James M. Craft, his grandmother, Miss Fred Ferguson, and his brother, Bruce Craft. The boy suffocated, but was brought back to life earlier this year. They're among the many Dallas residents who have special cause for Thanksgiving. It wasn't until a few years ago, I want everybody to really hear that what I'm about to say now, that I got it. It's like, I read that and I went, a Thanksgiving blessing. That's, that's wait, that's, that's what I'm put on the earth to do. I was a Thanksgiving blessing. Now I want to spend the rest of my life giving a Thanksgiving blessing. It's like part of, what God's, that's part of what God's put me on the earth to do, to be a thankful person, to be a person that knows I've been blessed and then to be thank, thankful and speak that over people and bless people and that's what, I've, that's what I've attempted to do. Funny little side note, see my brother doing his ear like that? Like in this picture, you'd think the photographer would go, hey, put your hand down. But he never put his hand down because I grew up with him because I was brought back to life. And every time he did this, he had done something mischievous. It's like, hmm, plastic bag didn't work. <laughs> for real, capital letters. So I think he was the perpetrator. That's all right. But the real story in this story is that lady sitting right back there, and some of you know this story, but I'll share it again. That's the other book I've got for you today, "Mammal's Tenants for Life. Some of y'all have already gotten it. I wrote a book about her life and the 20 greatest life principles she taught me in a story form when I was a little kid. I put all this in a story form. It's a fun read. We've got that one today, too. But 1955, rewind, five and a half years, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. When you're diagnosed with four-stage breast cancer in 1955, you're, you're dead. They said, you might have three months to live, maybe, maybe. And they asked for permission to do this new radiation treatment, which she signed her life away and she did that. Now you can't tell in this picture, but she's wearing kind of a taller collar on her dress. But if you could still see her neck, it burnt her neck and her body for the rest of her life. Like she lived with open wounds, but you know what? She didn't die in three months. They removed her breast and she lived until the weekend of January 9th, 2000, when we started this church, the last thing on life, the last thing on earth that she watched was the boy that she prayed back to life birth this church. I don't know how many years that is, but she was 88. And let me tell you just one last thing, and then I want to pray for you. That day when she walked out on the curb and she was holding me, here's what she didn't say. You know, God, you're, you're not a healer because you didn't heal me of breast cancer. In fact, my body has open wounds. She lived with open wounds on her body for the rest of her life. Miserable, honestly, miserable. Struggling every day, miserable. Nobody even in our family knows it that much. I knew it because we were so close. She was miserable. It's open wounds all day long, year after year after year, like, God, come on, man. You know, that's me as a grandson, but always had a smile on her face, was always positive, never talked about her pain. But she didn't walk out on that curb today and say, you know, you didn't heal me of my breast cancer. But this is part of the story I didn't tell you. And this is really personal, but I'm gonna tell you. My grandfather, when he found out her breast was gonna be removed, bottom line is he left her. And it broke her heart in half. I remember one conversation we had where she was just crying. We had, you know, we had very intimate talks. She said, you know, like the cancer was bad, but the broken heart, like that was like the worst thing. But you know what the good thing is, Keith? Your grandfather who I wanted to punch, by the way. Your grandfather came to the Lord before he died. And I prayed for him every day. And here's what she didn't pray when she walked down that corner when I was bleeding out on her. God, you, you, you didn't heal me of cancer. And by the way, you, you, my husband left after we raised four children together. And after 35 years of marriage, he just left. And I just don't, you're, you're just not God. You, you're just, no, here's, here's what she prayed. I still believe no matter what I still believe and you can heal this boy you can raise this boy and I had the privilege I had the privilege your pastor I had the privilege of being raised not just by my mom and dad But for me, I don't know how my brother and sister feel, but for me, my mama lived with us all growing up. Like I had the privilege of being around this unstoppable, incredible woman of God. And I am who I am today because of her. And y'all know the story, but when I was looking for a woman, that's why I knew at 15 that I found Sheila because I found the same sweet spirit and unstoppable spirit that was on her. It's like I knew I had to have her. She didn't know for a long time. But I knew. Can I just tell you something? I don't know what you're facing today, but I came with one assignment today with this life message that I have. And that's to speak an unstoppable spirit into your spirit in the name of Jesus. I want us to pray. Just bow your heads just real quickly. And if you're here, first of all, and you say, I am not right with God. I don't care if this is your first time or you're, you've been here many times. You say, I just need to get my life right with God. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. Don't look around. Don't see what this is doing. You say, I'm not right with God, and I want to get right with God. If that's you, slip it up right now. One, two, three. Come on. All over this room. I need to get my life right with God. Come on. Is there anybody else? All right. You can put your hands down. Now, everybody look up here at me. Along with those people that just raised your hand, if you've got something going on in your life and you feel like you've been stopped or you're trying to be stopped, I want to tell you something. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's us. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. We are going forward, not backward. We're going up and not down. And guess what? If you're here and you say, I feel like something's going on in my life right now that's just stopping me. I feel held back. We're going to break that today in the name of jesus because i'm going to release by the power and authority of the holy spirit an unstoppable spirit in you and along with those that already raised their hand i want you to stand up right now you say i feel like i've been stopped i don't want to be stopped anymore and i'm 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 moving forward in jesus name amen so i want you to look around because you're not the only one come on you're not the only one and i want to pray over you first of all i want us to pray this prayer put your hand on your heart everybody pray this with me said your heavenly father I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, cleanse me, wash me, make me whole, help me to be the person you created me to be. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for accepting me, and for forgiving my sins. And now I'm going to speak over you. Father, I thank you for every person that's standing right now. And as they lift up their hands to you, I declare that no matter what stopped them in the past, no matter what's been holding them back, that in the name of Jesus, just like 14 weeks ago, I had a clogged artery. It was 100% blocked. And in just a moment of time, it completely cleared up and the blood began to flow. And I speak in the name of Jesus that for every natural, there's a supernatural correlation. And I speak an unstoppable spirit that whatever's been stopping you on the inside, on the outside, whatever's been stopping you financially or whatever's been stopping you emotionally, whatever's been stopping you spiritually, whatever has held you back, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on every person that's here and, God, that they would know that you are for them and not against them. God, that they would know that you're not mad at them, but you're mad about them. And, God, in the name of Jesus, they cannot be stopped. From this day forward, on this ninth month, on this 22nd day of this month, on this 19th year of 2019, in Jesus' name, from this day forward, I announce an unstoppable spirit, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, put an amen on that. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.